Let's do the dang thing. Hello and welcome to the ADHD dive, the show that is uh, not about ADHD, but is a field with the proof it exists. My name is David J. Mund, and it's a spooky time. I regret doing what I've just done. <laughs> uh, hello, it is post-Halloween 2023, November 3rd to be exact. It is Friday. Um, last week, there was no podcast. Um, what's my excuse? I don't know. Uh... Publicly, I said, because it was Halloween and y'all should enjoy the the holiday. Were you not going to enjoy Halloween if I didn't tell you to do so? I, I Probably not. Um, I don't know. I just had a lot of stuff going on. Convinced myself that I didn't have time to do it, so I didn't do it. But that's okay. We're in the business of forgiving ourselves these days. Forgiving ourselves if I'm talking to only myself. Um, but in the spirit of spooky season, first of all, how was your Halloween? Good. Uh, <laughs> what, what did I do on Halloween? I hosted Survey Slam, which is like a trivia style game that I do at a bunch of different bars. Um, I didn't dress up. I'm glad because I would have been the only one. It was a dead night at the bar. It's freaking Halloween. People are out with their kids or they're doing everything they can to not go out into public and be bombarded by families with their children. Uh, but a couple people were at the bar and they had some drinky dranks and uh, won some prizes and whatever. Okay. Uh, but in the spirit of the spooky season, I figured uh, we'd talk about things that we're afraid of. Um, and when it comes to fears, ah, I don't know. I feel like the word fear is rooted in like, like legitimate terror. I, I don't know. Like I, I am afraid of demons or ghosts or spiders or snakes or whatever. Like I, I um, and it's like, if, if this thing suddenly peered, appeared in front of me, I'd, ah, I'd react. Uh. But when it comes to fears for me, I think like irrational, existential, like drawn out fears, like things I'm thinking about that terrify me constantly. Um, so short term and long term fears, apparently they are a different thing in my own mind. Uh, but I reached out. Instagram, Facebook, whatever the social media is. And I asked more specifically, what are your irrational fears? Um, and I figured it'd be worthwhile to go over A, some of your responses, B, some of the stuff that I wrote down, and C, some of this probably isn't irrational. Some of these may be rational fears, but I don't know that I can break, break, the, break it down in terms of what the difference would be. If you're afraid of something, you're afraid of it, right? There's nothing you can really do about it rational or otherwise. And I'll list a few of mine. And I've also listed some things that like, actually, let's start with, let's start with a list of things I am not afraid of. Me, specifically. And when it comes to this list, I'm talking about things that like, are common fears of people. So like, let's start with the the easy one, the spiders thing. So there's obviously a caveat. If there's a big beastly, nasty, spooky, crazy, dangerous looking spider, I'm definitely not going to fuck with it. I won't. I would prefer to leave it alone. I would prefer that it just disappears magically. I'm not super psyched about touching or holding or being near spiders. And when I was a kid, all of the things on this list were out the window. I was definitely afraid of them. But I think fear has a lot to do with like conditioning the mind. So when it comes to like spiders or bugs, yeah, they're not great. I don't love them. And if they can actually inflict damage on me, of course, I'm going to do everything I can to stay away from them. But when it comes to like fearing, like seeing a spider on the wall, People freak out, and I think it's kind of childish sometimes. I don't know. Like, 
shrieking and like standing up on furniture and like, I don't know. I think that's a bit of overkill and I'm not afraid of bugs in that way. Um, one of the most public, I mean, this is an example of what I'm doing right now. Um, uh, the, I think the most, the number one fear, that's at least the tropish way to explain it. The number one fear is public speaking. Um, and again, this is where things kind of get confusing in the definition of the word fear, right? Like, is this anxiety? Am I anxious? Are people anxious about being up in front of people or are they afraid of it? And if they are afraid of it, like what is the biological evolutionary reason to be afraid of something like, of course, like there's instinct that kicks in when it comes to like, I don't know if I was near a giant elephant, I would do everything I can to run away. I would probably be in that moment, quote unquote, afraid for my life, which actually I think does add a caveat onto my next quote, not fear. But anyways, uh, where was I going with this? Something about being stomped by an elephant. Mm, whatever, that analogy is out the window. Uh, but I guess I'm going to immediately cancel out what I'm about to say here. On this list, I said in parentheses, maybe death. And yes, ultimately, that is the more, the most existential of them all. Like, death is certainly a thing that will happen to all of us. So on one side of that spectrum... I want to believe that I'm like, dude, it's just something that happens to all of us, brother. We're all going to experience it, man. What's the point in being afraid, dude? But uh, the more I think about it, yeah, if an elephant was about to stomp me into the ground, I'd probably be a little afraid in that moment. So maybe there's like a short term, I am afraid of pain. I'm afraid of the terrifying reality of being stomped to death by an elephant. But am I sitting at home afraid that one day I might be stomped by an elephant? No. Am I afraid that one day I might be hit by a car or struck by lightning or... No. I don't think that I, I really, I mean, this is a real-time processing of the question I'm asking myself out loud. I don't think that I think about death in that way. But I'm sure every time my, like, heart skips a beat and I'm like, am I dying? Maybe that's different. I might be afraid of death while I think I'm dying. But while I'm good, I think I'm good. <laughs> Does that make, does that make sense? I don't know. And is there a reason for why I feel that way? I don't know. Also, to address the elephant stomping me in the room, uh, I've made it no secret that I do actually partake in the marijuanas on this show and beforehand um, to kind of alleviate any stress or whatever. I feel like it helps me get into the goofy mood where I just, things pour out of my mouth and I have to rather than like stop myself from saying them, I have to just explain why I said it. And I think that's fine, right? That creates podcast fodder. However, I'm not really like, I try my best to not like get to a point where I'm so stoned. I have like a stoner face, but as I've adjusted the lighting in this office and gotten it to a point where I think I, I really like the way that it looks, I've got a big light right in front of me. So I'm like squinting more often than not. Plus with the drawn out, stoner voice and how early I do this in the morning and whatever, it lends itself to me looking a little extra stuff, <laughs> a little extra high. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I am. Um, okay. So let's bounce uh, between things that legitimately scare me and things that legitimately scare you. Starting with, um, some of the, let's go with the irrational ones. And I don't know if you're kidding on these. I'm taking you at your word, except for a few of these responses in which I know they're kidding <laughs> and which I'm not going to read those. I'm going to start with, if we're, if we're taking these at face value, 
man, this is one that I might not actually believe because I do know who wrote this. This is George, George Despotis, the first guest ever on the podcast, episode number one. Go ahead and take a listen to that. He put pickles on my burger. I think this is one of the jokey ones. I don't think he's being serious, but if it is in response to the question, what are your irrational fears? I could see some rationality for that being a fear. If you don't like bur- if you don't like pickles, like if you genuinely do not like pickles and you are disgusted by the taste of it, so much so that like you have, I don't know, a big audible reaction or physical reaction, so much so that like you can't finish the burger because you hate them so much. But one time you accidentally took a bite into a burger and got a big, big old bite of a squirter of a pickle. It just shot pickle juice right into the back of your throat. You could do nothing but just like take it down. And right there on the spot, you you vomited, right? Oh, I hate pickles. No, I love pickles. I'm you in this case even though I think you are lying. But let's hear you out in this particular example. The pickle juice, bam, goes down your throat. It comes back up. You have an, ow! (laughs) I just, roll the tape. I just poked myself directly in the piercing and just stabbed it right into my face. Ow, ow. Ah, that hurts like a motherfucker. See what you did to me, George. Do you see what you did to me? (sighs) Pickles. Don't forget the pickles. (laughs) Okay, moving on. That was a SpongeBob reference if you didn't get it. Uh, Moving on. The pickle thing, it happens. It shoots down your throat. You vomit it back up. It has now created a biological response in your body that is now ingrained in your brain that whenever you take a bite of a burger, you just might taste the worst thing you've ever tasted. And so now, while sitting down at a restaurant or a diner or a burger joint of your choosing, you're going in for that medium well-cooked burger with onion rings and ketchup and lettuce and even though I think it's a sin, tomato. You go in for that big bite. You want a little squirt of mayonnaise on the top of your mouth. And then what if there's a pickle in there? And then you can't do it. You can't do it. You can't bite into the burger. Is that an irrational fear or is that a rational fear? I don't know. Me poking myself in the eyebrow piercing. Oh, that derailed that whole thing. I was so, I was so excited about that bit. Okay, here we go. Moving on to the next. Pickles on your burger? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I like pickles. Pickles on your burger, especially. Um, manholes. I actually know who put this, and I didn't believe them at first, but I believe them. Whenever I'm walking with them downtown or anywhere on the sidewalk and there is a manhole, they will intentionally step around it. Doesn't matter if you address it. Don't, doesn't matter if you say anything. It doesn't matter if you ask why. It is calculated. It is intentional. They will always step around it. I don't know if it's rooted in they think they're going to fall through. They think something is going to reach out and grab them. It's going to shoot off into space like a projectile shooting out of a geyser. Um, but they do that. Is that an irrational fear? I don't know. Um, okay. Let's, uh, let's bounce over to one of mine. We'll, we'll start on the less existential, more of the like physical, like ew, the things that kind of gross me out. And therefore, I'm kind of not psyched about interacting with them. Does that make me afraid of them? I, I don't know. Okay, let's start with sometimes, sometimes bacteria. Now, I don't mean dirt or grime, although sometimes that's an issue for me. All the way back, and I think this actually taps into maybe the overall theme of this show, which has so far been me kind of exploring the roots of my mental health and my diagnoses and why I operate the way that I do and the acronyms I have as far as OCD and ADHD and ACDC. Um, That was dumb. Uh, What am I saying? Bacteria. When I was a, a wee lad... According to my parents, always when it came to my hands, and still a little bit today, I just don't like it when they're dirty. 
And I don't mean like, well, now I feel like it has evolved a little bit more to legitimately mean bacteria. And that's why I wrote bacteria. But when I was a kid, you know, kids just grab shit and shove it into their face. I was just like a face eater. I just like bobbing for apples with everything because if my hands had things on it, whether that was food or let's say I'm, you know, eating some spaghetti as a kid or something, kids shove pasta into their face and get meatball sauce or spaghetti sauce and noodles all over the place. I would just (laughs) eat like a pig from a trough because I didn't like getting my hands dirty. And if I did get my hands dirty, there would be some obvious like squirming and squeaming and crying and, and, uh, I guess I want to be careful in the way that I talk about it, but not to (laughs) pardon this term because I do mean it legitimately, but it's also kind of funny the way that you say it, that it's going to come out of my mouth. I don't mean to steal autistic valor, but uh, that is in line with some early signs of autism in kids is and I'm speaking only anecdotally from what I have been told from or by doctors and therapists and psychologists and with the internet. Um, I am none of those things. Merely a fragment of your imagination. Um, but yeah, my understanding is that that is like when it comes to obsessions, that is one of the things that you look for in a kid when you're trying to test for autism or not is their obsessive tendencies. So that doesn't just mean like, you know, a kid is excited about the sound of the piano. And so he obsesses over it and learns how to play Mozart's fifth symphony by the time that he's, or they are four years old. Right. That's not, although, you know, people who are diagnosed with autism, some not to lump everyone together, there is some, extraordinarily brilliant people who have been diagnosed with autism. And that is sort of like the tropish way to identify their autism. Is there, am I speaking myself into a hole? I don't know. On the, on the spectrum of neurodivergencies, I'm close, (laughs) but my understanding is that tests for autism were never, um, uh, never, I, I'm not saying that it's like a positive or a negative test, but there were no clear indications that I was, or that I am autistic. And that a lot of that is done through testing as a child and then evaluation as the person grows older. Anyways, what the fuck am I doing here? Sometimes bacteria. <laughs> this is why the show is the show that's not about ADHD, but it's filled with proof it exists. I don't need to say that. That's We're 50 almost. This is 50. This is episode 50. Is it? No, it's not. That's not. I'm in the 40s, I think. Who cares? Whatever. Sometimes bacteria, I didn't like getting my hands dirty. I don't like getting my hands dirty now. Uh, but it's more when I, I could stick my hand in dirt and mess with these plants and root things up and, you know, get legitimately filthy. But when it comes to shaking someone's hands... I always pull away going, ah, ah, there's something on my hand. Oh. Or like someone greets you in a more traditional sense and does a little cheek kiss. First of all, that's, I am so thankful that is dying as a greeting. Don't kiss people you don't know. But also, even people that I do know, like, aunts or whatever relatives or close family friends who do a little cheek kiss there's something on my cheek like it gives me this squirmish gross feeling so much so that when i know that it's coming i do kind of react like do a little dodge or when it comes to handshaking i like I have a weak handshake sometimes because I can't commit to the grip. 
because your hand sweat is going to touch my hand sweat and then our hand sweats are going to fuse together and create a layer over my hand that feels like a rubber glove of grime. I'm afraid of bacteria sometimes. Um, let's go into some more of yours. A. Uh, some of those were responses on Instagram. Uh, but if we go over to the old Facebooks, uh, what are some of your rational fears? Comment below. Uh, someone said sharks. Sharkies, to be exact. This, I f think is a good technical example of an irrational fear, especially given that this person, along with myself, lives in Michigan. I ain't no sharks in Michigan, as far as I know. There's definitely no saltwater sharks in Michigan, unless they're being held captive. There's no... <laughs> there's no free-range saltwater sharks in Michigan. Um, but to be afraid of that feels relatively irrational, but understood. Because, like, damn, imagine getting munched by a shark. Arguably one of the worst things in the world that could ever happen to someone. Being chewed to death by a sea creature. Damn. Uh, which takes me, in my mind, to the Reddit thread Thalassophobia, which I believe is the fear of, like, open water. So the, the ocean water, or the ocean, or the sea. Um... But not just, like, because of the powerful nature of the force of the water, but because of, like, the murky depths below and, like, what could possibly lie underneath there. Just everything containing the vastness of the ocean and the unknown quantities in the water, I believe, fit the definition of thalassophobia. If you're on Reddit and you don't follow that thread, follow r slash thalassophobia and you'll be a thalassophobe um okay 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 the sound of the emergency alert system warnings and tests now i'm gonna read this whole one first and then break them down bit by bit the sound of the emergency alert system warnings and tests siren head belly buttons and cocoa melon we're going to have to do some research. Okay. So, uh, David, while editing this, hopefully I can remember. <laughs> Play the emergency alert system so everyone knows what we're talking about. Okay? Brace yourself. And if you're afraid of it, I'm sorry. It's coming in three, two, one. Fun fact that I just found out, it is actually illegal to broadcast that sound without uh, having the proper authentication to allow me to do so, uh, of which I do not have. So look it up yourself. Now, before breaking that one down, the next one is Siren Head, which I love. I think this is this is a neat thing to talk about on a quote-unquote spooky episode. So um, if you're afraid of it, I'm sorry. Look out, David, for future editing purposes. Play the sound of Siren Head in three, two, one. Okay, so without addressing the validity of either one, I think it's clear that both of these are tied to each other, which therefore kind of validate the other fear. And if you're afraid of one, I could see why you're afraid of the other. Um, Siren Head is something I thought was like a funny meme for a little while that I found out was a thing that people are like legitimately afraid of. I think it's the absolute strangest concoction of weird ideas and fears in the world and if you aren't familiar even though you've heard that sound and maybe if you're watching the video you saw that visual um siren head is like uh whatever use some absurd height 40 50 foot tall creature which is essentially just a humanoid body 
extremely tall, has arms and legs and can walk and grab things. But instead of a head is a large bullhorn looking siren that you would see in like, I don't know, just anywhere that outdoors something can be broadcast through a loudspeaker, including potential sirens. That siren head. And then like if you hear the siren, usually it's like you're walking around at night and then you hear the siren and you're like, oh, no, it's siren head. And by the time you find out where the sound is coming, you see this towering figure lurking over you, walking towards you, about to stomp you into little bits like the elephant that we mentioned previously. Um, that's siren head. Um, and if you're afraid of siren head, I can see why you'd be afraid of the emergency alert broadcast system. And if you're afraid of the emergency alert broadcast system, I can see why you'd be afraid of Siren Head. So again, not to address the validity of either one. I just can see how they're related. (laughs) Um, Teeth. Again, I know know this person who put this, and I, I know that it's true. But I don't get it. I get I get I get the idea of like thinking about the thinking about what a tooth is sometimes that's crazy and it gives you that weird like oh I'm feeling too human I'm feeling too alive right now and I don't like it I get that teeth in the most general sense because I'm neither a dentist <laughs> what's the one uh, orthodontist or is that your feet I don't fucking know. They have the people who do braces and shit. I'm neither of those, nor a doctor, a bone doctor, or a person who knows much about teeth. All I know is they're kind of like bones that grow inside your mouth that when you're a kid fall out. And then there's like, what do you have, 36 teeth, 30-something teeth? You have 30-something teeth. But they're all just sitting up there in your face. You know, they don't just grow. They're just sitting. If you've ever seen like a, an x-ray of a child's face, they've got like a bunch of little baby teeth and then all those adult teeth are just sitting up there under their face and they're just pushing down, pushing old bone out through your gums. And when kids are like teething and in pain, that's what's happening. His bones are shooting through their gums and just ripping. I can understand being grossed out by teeth. I don't know about being afraid of teeth. I think there's are things that people are grossed out by sometimes. But again, this is spooky season. You could be spooked and grossed out at the same time. Um, okay. All right. Let me talk about... <sighs> We're going to talk about like three or four of these at the same time. Because... I'm going to read two of mine just by the just naming them. And then I'm going to read this other one that somebody commented and I'm going to kind of tie all three together. This is the more uh, less spooky, more somber existential fear. So I have put being alone and becoming homeless. Okay? We'll get back to that. But let's talk about Jordan's submission. She says, Every time I walk into a grocery store, I fear that someone is going to tell me I'm not living life the proper way. That going to a store for the things I need to live, like food, is wrong and humans shouldn't be doing this. It's probably just my anxiety. Um, and then as a side, as an aside, they put also butterflies for some reason. My whole life I've been afraid of them, but I'm finally to a point where I can stay outside if I see one. Uh, quick pause. I have a bit of a phone call coming in. Uh, quick pause. Let's cut, let's cut over to cat and crew. All right, y'all. If you're watching the video version, see that skull? See this? This is not a punk house. It's a punk home banner. All of these things are available at catandcrew.com. That's right. They're the first sponsors. Catandcrew.com. Enter the promo code MONDAY. It's MONDAY, M-U-N-D-A-Y, to receive 10% off of your final 
purchase. You can get those koozies, you can get banners, you can get earrings, you can get coasters, you can get skull planters. I think it's really cool that they decided to um, give ADH Deep Dive listeners an exclusive deal um, because, you know, it's cool that we're building a little audience here and that you guys get to have some uh, sort of special perks that nobody else gets. Um, so if you aren't familiar with it yet, go to catandcrew.com, enter the promo code MONDAY, M-U-N-D-A-Y at checkout, get 10% off your final order. Uh, okay. Back to the show. There's a lot to unpack there. Uh, piece by piece. Every time I walk into a grocery store, I fear that someone is going to tell me I'm not living life the proper way that, let, okay, let's start there. So this person, uh, grew up, I'm not to out their story, but they are from the same small town I was in. Um, and that totally checks out. So of the small, ridiculously small towns that I have lived in and Brooklyn, New York and Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, my hometown being the smallest bar none, um, the only time anything like that would ever happen is in my hometown. I think it has a lot to do with the fact that when you're in a small town and you grew up in that town, many people have seen you and placed expectations on you, whether valid or not. Um, they've projected expectations onto you, right? Because most of these people in this small town know who you are, but will never know you right and so the idea of being so vulnerable in any particular instance that someone knows you and then critiques your truest self that can feel really unsettling it's sort of like why the comments get to people right like the comment section is like you know if i get a comment on this podcast or um just anything that I've done that is a more honest representation of myself, where I'm trying to be as honest as I can possibly be and tell you the truth about me that you could never know if I didn't otherwise explain it to you. And then someone still says, right, I know that, therefore you suck. That hurts like a motherfucker. Let me turn the space heater off one moment. It's so hot. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, it's like, it's why when like our parents critique our looks or our job or our status as an adult, it hurts, it, it frustrates us the most because it's like, you think, you know me the best. And in some particular instances, in some instances, people, people's parents do know them the best. And I'm not saying this to spite my parents. I love them very much. I'm just saying this is just what happens with humans is your parents' comments are always the ones that frustrate you the most or the people you care about most. The, their critiques, even though we're supposed to like take the opinions of the people we love the most rather than the people we don't care about. If they hurt us, it hurts even more. So bringing this to the small town thing, like I see many people, their expectations that they have placed on me are no different than the expectations that I have placed on them just up here in my brain. All projection, never rooted in actual knowledge or understanding of this person's situation. Only what I see can I understand. And if I see something and it's just, I just take it at face value, then I can project a story onto it. Um, and my story that I've projected onto them is that I see them all over the place in this small town. They see me. They think they know me. They don't really know me, but because they think they know me, they're going to come up to me and say something to me. And that's something is going to make me think for such a long time. And that scares me because I don't want to think about what people think about me. I think. 
I think that's what you're saying, or rather, I think that's why you feel this way. And again, rational or irrational, I don't really know. I just know that it's it's understandable, it's real. Um, and you are not alone in that. Um, furthermore, that, that going to a store for the things I need to live, like food, is wrong and humans shouldn't be doing this. That I don't understand. Like if somebody came up to me in a grocery store and was like, you're not supposed to be here. It's weird for humans to be here. I'd be like, what are you doing here? It's weird for humans to be here. So that's that, that I don't, I don't get, but I'm not shooting you down. And then butterflies. There's only one true reason why you could potentially be afraid of butterflies. And that's because that one time SpongeBob got wormy and then wormy turned into a butterfly SpongeBob thought that the butterfly ate Wormy. And that left such an impression on you that you are now afraid of butterflies. That's the only explanation. Uh, okay. I said that would tie into what I said. There's a much more existential one that we're going to get into in just a second that might ultimately be the one we end on but I want to talk about two more things. Well, a few more things, all in context of sort of this same exact discussion. My examples of that was being alone and being homeless. I thought all of that was going to tie together, but then that phone call derailed me and I lost my analogy. So, bear with me now. So I'm looking at the camera a lot. I think it's really out of focus, but I don't care. Don't let it derail me. Being alone, being homeless. One and the same, sort of. Um... Of the two, I guess, well, I don't know. And I feel like I've talked about this a few times on the podcast, but to break it down into a more specific explanation of why or what exactly the fear is. Um, I don't really know how to properly rank them, but let's just talk about them one by one. So being homeless. Um. I don't mean that, like, I don't have a place that is technically mine, so I'm bouncing from friend's house to family member's couch to hotel to shelter to whatever. I really mean, like, it's beyond grasp. I am now on the street begging because for whatever reason, I can't get a job. I can't get shelter. Uh, I feel like I did. I, you know, it's a punchline to be homeless in, well, it was in the early 2000s on, in media and just where I grew up. Just because small town homelessness wasn't, I'm sure it existed, but it wasn't as prevalent or it wasn't as in your face as it is in big cities but it's a, it's a real problem and I don't mean that homeless people are a problem I think that's a disgusting way of looking at a very unfortunate and tragic situation I think anything in the right context can be joked about but I think when people cynically believe that like homeless people are just lazy and whatever. I think that's a disgusting way of looking at the human condition. Um, but that terrifies me. That is a terrifying prospect. The, the, the issue of homelessness is so real and so prevalent, not just in America, but worldwide that, like, who's to say it couldn't happen to me? Like, because it is so clear that not every person experiencing homelessness is a lazy person or um, uh, someone who's mentally unfit or whatever. Sometimes people fall on hard times, and those hard times escalate and snowball into the most desperate situation that humans can find themselves in these days. Um. 
And that's, that scares me because I see the reality of how people experiencing homelessness are ignored. And I don't just mean by the system. Of course, the system is sort of set up to fuck those people for life. Um, and that's a really disgusting part of the world that we live in. Not just, yeah, not just globally, but kind of specifically in America when it comes to, I get it, whatever, quote unquote, we're the greatest country in the world, but we treat poor people like shit. We treat homeless people even worse. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that, that's scary to me. The idea that that could one day happen. Is it likely to? I don't, I don't know. But uh, the final thing on my list before we go into one of the last things that was commented on. Actually, before we go into that, I'm going to have to like read it over one more time word by word to myself to decide if we're even going to talk about that because it is unfortunately a little, a little too existential and maybe sad and whatever. We'll talk about it in a little bit. Maybe. Um, but the last thing on my list kind of ties into the homelessness thing and we'll get to that in a minute, I guess. Uh, World War Three. I believe that before the Second World War, the First World War was just known as the Great War. Because holy shit, we've expanded so large as a civilization and as a species. So far across the earth that the entire world was able to war with itself. And the great and powerful nature of that was to be remembered with a name like the Great War. Then World War II happened. And in the moment, I believe that people were referring to it as the war to end all wars. Because not only were was the entire world battling again, but they're more advanced. It's really not that long after the first one. And the stakes seem higher at that time. World War Three, something that is technically yet to be identified, um, whether or not we're actually in it or whether or not it's actually begun yet, I guess, is up to interpretation. But the real, the real reality of war on a global scale is not currently in the forecast. We're not currently seeing that on a global scale. But it would be foolish for me to not recognize the, the privilege and relative idea of safety that I have being an American, living in America, relatively landlocked, our only direct neighbors being a non-hostile Canada and then directly below us, Mexico, which I don't understand enough about the southern border issues to really weigh in on. Um, but like, there's missiles now. <laughs> and, you know, what, did the first nukes launch in the 50s? Right? We hit Japan in the 50s. 50s or 60s. I'm sorry. I can't, can't really remember my dates. And I'm, this is not a history podcast. Um, I'm just saying it's so clear with what's happened in Russia and Ukraine and is now continuing to expand in the Middle East with the Israel-Palestinian conflict now. With large parts of Africa suddenly going fucking hog wild with now 
in the grand scheme of things, I think if we reflect as Americans, we look at our issues, we can probably, if we could be so bold as to look at our own issues collectively as a country, we would see that the things that divide us are not nearly as great as the things that unite us. And I'm not saying anything unique here. I'm just parroting things other thing, other people have said. But that is an issue. It just seems like everywhere you look, there's people who want to hurt other people simply for just who they are and how they were born. Um, to not weigh in Unfortunately, as a look, look, I have thoughts, of course, on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. But I see that more cynically than some Jews and Muslims do. Or Christians even. Um, a lot of people just see it as like, first of all, from both sides. No, I can't even do that. I can't. I can't. I get that my platform isn't large enough to be whatever, cancelable or whatever. I just fear speaking on things I don't know a ton about. All I know is what I see right now online is horrific. And that is on the part of the governments and militaries. I'm not necessarily speaking about the people of Israel and Palestine. Um, there's just atrocities from both militaries and governments being committed on both sides. This is not to equate the Jewish people and the Muslim people suffering under whatever system of government or lack thereof or apartheid that they're facing. It's not about that. I see two sects of religious extremism, warring, going to war, having a holy war. That's what this is, to fulfill some sort of prophecy that Christians are engaging in, that Christians believe ultimately leads to the fulfillment of their biblical prophecy, that this war is a good thing because it fulfills the duties that they have as religious people. That is from all sects of the religion. And as someone who identifies as either agnostic or as atheist, I'm fucking disgusted by it. That part makes me feel really uneasy, knowing how callous some people are in my own country about the holy war nature of it. It's like, yeah, it's just... It's got to happen, you know? That part really freaks me out. Because as a non-believer, yes, I'm a white American man. So, like, I'm not being prejudiced against. But in the holy war, you bet your ass that a non-believer is someone to be seen as a threat. It's fucking horrifying. And when that shit's just happening and we can't seem to put a stop to it, the Russia-Ukraine thing has been going on for almost, what, two years now? That's insane. We're dealing with religious and racial extremism here in America. Just this, the idea of everybody fucking fighting all the time, the idea of that coming to a head is the only true thing that I unfortunately do think about all the time. I don't think about the elephant stomping me to death. I don't fear. I don't think about leaving the house later and accidentally getting into a car accident. But every day, I think about how nasty people are to each other and how that seems to be a human trait. That's not just something that they do in the Middle East or in Europe or down south. As beautiful and kind and compassionate and caring 
and selfless as humans can be, we also commit the most horrific atrocities in the name of maybe, maybe being right about your particular man in the sky. I don't know, ma'am. just doesn't seem right. And that scares the shit out of me. I don't think that I'll uh, talk about that other one. I think that it is maybe a little bit too personal in regards to this person's life, but I do think that it could relate to a lot of people overall. So if you're interested in seeing what the other comments were, feel free to follow my page on Instagram or Facebook. That's where some of those comments were. ADH Deep Dive with David J. Mund. Um, yeah, so that's a, that's that was a good spooky episode oh man that whole time we were doing spooky i should have had oh i should have set the background light to a different color what a foolish man um whatever it's too late now um okay so sorry i didn't have an episode last week i appreciate you not really caring (laughs) or at least not caring enough to hunt me down and yell at me for not doing it um here's your episode this week What are things that you should look forward to? I don't really have anything to promote right now. I think by the time this episode comes out, I will have already had my show this weekend at Turnstiles in Grand Rapids. Um, Unfortunately, the headlining band had to drop, but I do believe that it has since been filled. So if you are a time traveler and you're listening to this episode after the show, come on back to Saturday, November 4th and check us out. Um, we've got a few other shows that I cannot yet announce because they have not publicly been announced, but two more shows, three more shows, one more show at the end of November, two coming up in December, back to back. So just go to Midwest Skies, follow Midwest Skies to stay up to date with that. If you have not yet seen uh, mine and Nikolai Van short film Penelope, please feel free to do so. Um, check out Cat and Crew. Um, you already heard the promotion, uh, but K-A-T-A-N-D-C-R-E-W.com. Enter the promo code Monday. And, uh, what else? Frig, man. I don't know if you feel so inclined. There is a way to, uh, donate in a Patreon-like-esque way, uh, by just going to the Buzzsprout link in the description here. If you want to make a little donation to the show help keeps this thing thriving so thank you for joining the adh deep dive i appreciate you for being here wasn't really spooky but we did talk about fears so i feel like we accomplished a goal today so thank you i love you my dog gus is whistling very loudly in the background so i'm gonna let you go and i hope to see you next week goodbye